Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson and this is the Ron Johnson Show. On today's show, I'm excited. Jeremiah Searles, Nebraska grad. It's Gophers Nebraska week, but guess what? It's Vikings also. He's a former Vikings offensive lineman. We got to talk to him because this offensive line look a little bit different. It's almost like they put on costumes this year. Or is their coach doing something to help them out? Coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ron Johnson Show and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network and I'm excited today. It's Vikings Commanders Week. We have some big guests already. Pierre Garçon, former uh, Commanders receiver. Indianapolis Colt though, you got to check that one out from yesterday. Peyton Manning, he has a great story about Peyton Manning. There's a ball, Pierre might still have it or it could be at the bottom of the ocean somewhere, but it's the Peyton Manning last TD. We know how much Tom Brady's last TD is a buck went for. I wonder what that Peyton Manning coat ball would go for. But on today's show, I got to talk about the Vikings offense line and Kirk Cousins, because we don't know when Kirk Cousins' last touchdown is going to come, but I'll tell you this, it's not going to be anytime this season. But remember, you can now find Locked On Sports Minnesota on Amazon Fire and Roku. Download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app to get all your favorite shows. Well, as I said, something about this offensive line that's a little bit different to me. And as I was thinking about this yesterday, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put out like a hot take, like, oh, the offensive line's the same. It's just a new coach. No, I, I have to give credit to to, to adding Ed Ingram uh, via the draft, uh, moving Ezra Cleveland had already moved. Uh, uh, Christian Derisaw being 100% healthy. Uh, you look at Brian O'Neill. Uh, you look at Garrett Bradbury getting better. And this is where I go with this. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Vikings offensive line, to me, seems like a team that's being put in the right situations at the right time during the game. Not to say that it's all that, but I got to tip my hat to Kevin O'Connell giving Kirk Cousins the leeway to change things, not just kill a play or can a play and run the other play he called, but actually change the play if he sees something. And what that's doing is that's allowing the offensive line to not be put in situations that we saw in the past. Now, again, Eagles game, scary. Dallas, we will see. I think Dallas has a, 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 an extremely strong pass rush, just like the Eagles. So we'll see in two weeks what that looks like, or three weeks, I think, November 20th, what that looks like. But this is where I go with this. The Vikings offensive line, Kevin O'Connell is allowing them to change the place. So what's that doing? That's not putting them in bad situations. This offensive line, I, and we'll talk to Jeremiah Searles about this, but it was always a question mark. It was always a, uh, who's going to be the guard? Who's going to be this? Man, I wish this team could find it, you know, put some pieces together to get offensive line. That's one part of it. Two is health. These per, these are, these medical trainers and staff and the coach, the collaboration, the way they're working together, keeping the players healthy. It's amazing how well they're doing. But here's a stat that I want to dive into when we bring Sam in. Uh, My producer, Sam Mexham, is going to join the show. Mm -hmm. Home games. The Vikings, before this last game, and I have to go over the new stats because I, you know, Monday Night Football, it was late. I ended up falling asleep. 
but 30.5% of first down, getting a first down or a touchdown, they were first in the NFL at 30.5% for home games. For road games, road games, they were 23.2% uh, first down or touchdown, which is 19th. So first to 19th, that's a big drop. But here's another one. 4.7 yards per play at home, that was 6th. 3.6 yards per play on the road, that's 29th. Now, for some people at home saying, oh, that's only 1.1 yard. 1.1 yard is a big deal. 1.1 yard is the difference in beating Seattle. 1.1 yard is the difference in the Lions beating the Vikings and getting the first down. 1.1 yard is the difference in the Packers converting a first down versus Bob Miller blowing up uh, the entire right, left side of the offensive line, making the tackle with a tackle. 1.1 yard in the NFL is huge. They say it's a game of inches. So if you think about inches, just think about 1.1 yards. That's the big difference is this team on the road, I want to see how they do now. Now they've, they've jailed where we're going on eight games. This is the eighth game coming up. They're trying to get to seven and one. I wonder what this team is going to look like on the road because at home, they are dynamic. And on the road, we know it's the conversations with the quarterback, being able to talk to the offensive line. I think that's a big part of this, like trying to figure it out. And then vice versa, um, the the defense, you know, not giving the offense a long field, like turning them over quicker, three and outs. It, it goes hand in hand. We know that. We're, we're never going to denigrate that the defense is not helping the offense out because they are, even though people don't want to give them credit, they are definitely helping this offense out, getting them back on the field, allowing Kirk Cousins to do what he does. He was down. When he was down six, I think 17 to 16 or 17 to 14, uh, against the Cardinals, he threw a strike to Justin Jefferson. Old Kirk Cousins or old play call might not have got that aggressive only down three. Might have tried to play for the field goal just to tie it up. This team has a different mindset. This team has a different leader. I love it. And and I think the big takeaway for me is going to be, what is this team going to look like on the road? What do you got, Sam? Well, it's interesting because we are now eight weeks into the season, and the Vikings have only played two true road games because the London game they had more fans of the Vikings than the Saints there that was sort of a neutral site so they played at Philadelphia they played at Miami um, Philadelphia was a disaster all around Miami was a defensive masterpiece and offensively they were pretty mediocre um, so this road test will be interesting because I don't know if they've played a real complete game truly on the road yet um, you're absolutely right. Offensive line has gone a long way toward getting this team where it is. And the whole left side of the line has improved. Christian Derrissaw has taken a massive leap. Ezra Cleveland's gotten better. And Garrett Bradbury is the biggest enigma of all. Bradbury is an above-average center this year, which is enormous. I still want to see more from Ed Ingram, uh, but Brian O'Neill's been solid. So four-fifths out of that line has been really good. And then the rookie, Ingram, has a lot of potential. So they're in an amazing spot, and that, that's probably been the biggest surprise this year, Ron. It's gotten them over the top uh, to where they are, 6-1 and one right now. Yeah, and this is what I'll say. For all the people that, like, I love stats. We could go turnover ratio, plus four before this past game. They were fifth, but then the Cardinals were plus five, and they were third. So does it matter? Yes, but it matters in the game you're playing. The Vikings had less turnovers than the Cardinals. We know that. The Vikings found a way to turn the ball over. They found a way to make the quarterback uncomfortable. Kirk Cousins never really looked uncomfortable in that game. But then if we were to say, man, this team is 6-1, and one, have a chance to be 7-1, and one, they got to be a top-10 offense. They're not. 
Before this game, they were 18th in total yards. They were 10th in uh, pass yards and 25th in run yards on offense and 13th in points per game. This is not a top 10, top five offense. This is not a top 10, top five defense. Defense, they were 27th, 28th, 14th, and 12th in points against them. They had 10 takeaways. Cardinals had 10 takeaways as well. What's the difference? It's the mindset. This team has a different mindset. It's the same team. It's the same stats. It's the same numbers. It's the mindset. That's why people always say, hey, sometimes you need a different voice. I keep bringing this up. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't do anything different besides bench Keyshawn Johnson halfway through the season with John Gruden, but they just added John Gruden. Tony Dungy was not a bad coach. He won Super Bowls after that. He went undefeated in the first 10 games for, I don't know, three or four seasons with the Colts. What's the big difference? Just a different voice. They just needed a, a different voice in Tampa. They needed an offensive-minded coach. We know Tony was a defensive-minded coach. Tony got to Indy, and he had Peyton. He didn't need to worry about the offense. That's the big difference, and that's where this Vikings team, to me, it feels like that's where they are. They're a team that just has a different voice. They have a different person telling them what to do. They have a different collaboration of quarterback and coach where they're able to talk these things through. And then in big Spock moments, Pierre Garçon brought this up. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin O'Connell, all were intertwined. And they all had that same mindset. And they all have found success offensively. The Vikings just have the defense right now that's doing just enough. They're doing just enough. They don't have to be lights out. They're doing just enough. Well, I'm excited today because we got Jeremiah Searles coming on, as I said, uh, former Nebraska corn husker. Uh, he had some he came on the show earlier this year and he said some stuff about Scott Frost before Scott Frost got fired. And he said he would take some hell for it from the fans, maybe from the media people in the area saying, why are you talking about your own team like this? Well, Scott Frost is fired. So now we can see what Jeremiah Searles really wanted to say about Scott Frost because there's no repercussions <laughs> anymore. But. Remember, you can check out the Minnesota Football Party on Mondays and Thursdays. Get your Vikings fixed with Arif Hassan, Luke Inman, Luke Braun, and Sam Ekstrom on Locked On Sports, Minnesota. We have a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting and basketball betting now with the NBA season getting underway. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, all the news, all the lines at BetOnline.net, your top wagering source for sports. It's MMA, boxing, and golf as well, and all the major professional sports. The Vikings are favored by three and a half still over the Commanders. Over-under is down from 44 and a half to 43 and a half. That's the latest at betonline.net. You can get all the NFL lines for this week. If you head to the website today or, of course, use your mobile device, BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, I'm excited about my next guest, Jeremiah Saros. He's going to be hanging with Ron Johnson and hanging with Ron Johnson's segment. Why do I love Jeremiah Saros? Because he's honest. He also is a good guy. I mean, when he played for the Minnesota Vikings, uh, he just was an all-around good guy. Uh, found a way to uh, parlay that into now being an agent. Uh, he worked on the sidelines with the Nebraska Cornhuskers on the radio network. Uh, but he's a Nebraska grad. This is Nebraska week, so got to bring Jeremiah Searles on the show. Jeremiah, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, before we jump out there, I got to uh, get the elephant out of the room. I uh, got some very tragic news this morning. Uh, Mike Zimmer's daughter posted that her brother had passed away at the age of 38. Uh, no idea what happened. Tough scene when you think about uh, Mike Zimmer lost his wife, now a son. 
Uh, bearing a kid is something you should not have to do. Uh, that is not anything anybody ever wants to go through. But Jeremiah, you had a chance to uh, be around Adam Zimmer. Uh, what was that time like in Minnesota? Yeah, you know, Adam and I had a, a bit of a unique connection based on the fact that a uh, majority of my time there, you know, I ran a lot of the scout team, you know, and so running the scout team for me meant working with closely with him, making sure the looks were right and making sure everything looked well on that end, you know. So for me, we had this kind of unique connection along the lines of we kind of understood each other in a way that was just more like a professional, but also a little bit more personal because I'd play center at times and Sometimes I'd like to get a little cute and change the protection on him. And then he'd kind of look at me with that, like, come on, because he knew he was going to get in trouble, you know, whenever you change the scheme. But, you know, I had a lot of respect for what he did and a lot of respect for him. And, you know, my client actually now is the left guard on the Bengals. And so he actually had a relationship with him, too, as an offensive court analyst there. So all around just awful deal. You know, I've been praying for him and his family this morning. And just one of those things that you just you hate to see things like that happen. And you just you just pray for everyone involved because it's just such a tough situation. Yeah, man, nobody wants to, like I said, nobody wants to ever see somebody bury a child. He's 38 years old, and so that's just, it's way too soon. Uh, should not have happened. Uh, but, you know, I saw his sister, you know, post, pray for our family, pray to help us heal. Because I know when I lost my dad, uh, I was a wreck. And so I, I just understand that, you know, and, and now my mom's in the hospital. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just don't, I mean, life hits us and we forget that, you know, sports and all this great stuff, but life still happens. And uh, I think some people assume that, you know, people in sports should be gladiators. They should be tough as nails. But things like this can really knock you down a peg. And uh, definitely was a, a gut-wrenching moment this morning just seeing it because you just don't want to see uh, stuff like that come up. You know, you, you pray that everything kind of goes normal. People, you know, get old, live long. Uh, but it's just a tough situation. So we do pray for the Zimmer family. And uh, for Mike Zimmer especially, and, and that he can uh, heal and get through this, and, and for his sister and the, and the rest of the family, the, the grandkids, the nephews, nieces, uh, we pray for them all. But uh, Jeremiah Sarles, we got to handle the, the task at hand, which is the Nebraska Cornhuskers versus the Minnesota Gophers. And this one, honestly, like I was hoping Scott Frost would still be the coach. Not going to lie. Like I was pulling for Scott Frost to still be around to coach this game because I feel like – um, there are certain coaches that get the best of other coaches. Like you look at Jeff Brom at Purdue, somehow, some way, he always finds a way to get under P.J. Fleck in that offense and just find ways to just, you know, kind of pick at him and, and eventually just break it down. And Purdue has been right. a, a needle in the side of a thorn in uh, P.J. Fleck's side. And Nebraska the same way. I feel like P.J. has been a thorn to Scott Frost, and he's gone now. And now you look at Mikey Joseph taking over. Uh, what have you seen? From the one and two start to now the two and three, uh, Mikey Joseph era of Nebraska football. Yeah, you know, first of all, the thing that I think is the biggest thing is you can just see a little bit of the pressure taken away from this Husker football team. You know, I think everyone, even last year at the end of the year with Coach Frost getting the buyout, right? And everyone was like, oh, well, he's basically just dead man walking. Like, because they basically were like, if you lose a game, then your buyout's just cut in half. You know, I think there was a pressure on the team that they put on themselves. I was like, if I don't go out and I don't play well, my head coach is going to get fired. You know, and I think mm -hmm. that all of that just bottled up into this tension of playing tight and playing more of afraid to lose than going to win. And, you know, when you saw Coach Frost eventually get fired, and I never like when anyone loses their job, you know, and Mickey Joseph takes over and kind of brings in this, like, play free. We're all playing on borrowed time here. The whole staff knows they might be out. You know, everyone's just kind of like, we're playing with house money. Go play free. Go make plays. And you're seeing guys play a lot more free, especially on the defensive side of the football. 
And then you're just seeing a lot more energy too come through because it's something new, you know? So I've seen a lot of that, you know, the things that's still killing us are the turnovers and the execution errors. And uh, really our offensive line is really struggling to protect our quarterback. And Casey Thompson gets hurt last week. Don't know if he's going to play this week. And, you know, our backup quarterback came in, Chubba Purdy, and I'm pretty sure he might be allergic to the forward pass. So, you know, that's never a good thing. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of things going on. But overall, I think the team just is embodying a more free and just go out and play fast mentality. I think everybody, even the coach, feeling the pressure of like, you know, when you take a buyout, you know what's probably happening. Like, I, I have to win. And so when you when you put that pressure on the team as well, like you want perfection. Hey, we got to win this. You know, you're, you're a little bit hard on them. And, and now that that cloud is kind of lifted, uh, when you think about this team getting back to what they were, because Nebraska is a story program. I used to love Tommy Frazier. Uh, I loved those games they played against Miami Hurricanes back in the day. Uh, only And honestly, my, my best friend uh, was a quarterback, war number 15, literally looked just like Tommy Frazier, uh, played like him. So we all kind of growing up. We like Nebraska because we ran kind of that 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 uh, that offense that that uh, what was it called option offense like we ran that mm -hmm. uh, we, I mean we were like ten but <laughs> we ran it like 10, 11, 12. and so right. he always we used to call him literally we called him T Frazier he wore fifteen and so what what is it gonna take because the option is kind of like unless you're Army or Navy it, it doesn't really work long term but how does Nebraska kind of evolve? and become what this Big Ten and what the SEC, everybody's becoming, which is a downfield. I mean, power run game, yes, and then down the field strikes. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is just getting a coach in here that has a consistent vision and then just sticking with that vision. You know, I think one thing that Coach Frost did when he first got here is his offense compared to what Mike Riley's offense was, I mean, apples and oranges. So you had the personnel for this pro-style offense that Mike Riley had recruited for five years. And then you bring in Coach Frost, and it's this spread, run-and-gun Oregon offense, right? And so then you're kind of shifting not just who you're recruiting, but what can I do with the pieces that I have? You know, I explained to people, like, you're trying to play chess with checkers pieces, right? And that can get really difficult. So I think whatever coach we bring in has to have an identity of this is what our offense is, and this is what you're going to have to give me time to build. And I think that's mm -hmm. part of what's just wrong with college football in general is you just don't give these coaches enough time to build their roster for what they need. Everyone's like, well, it's been four years. These are all your guys. It's like, yeah, right. the one class is, and then everyone else is young guys that's developing still. This isn't the NFL where every couple of years you can just go buy a couple superstars that are play ready and ready to roll. Like, it needs time to develop. And I think Trev Alberts has been one of the best hires Nebraska's had as an athletics director for – the past two decades, you know, I think he has a clear vision. So I think he wants to go out and find a guy that he believes in that's here for the long term, not a stopgap, not a three years and go somewhere that like believes in a 10 year vision here that return to what you said, return to those glory days, return to what we have, much like PJ Fleck has done in Minnesota. You know, I mean, everyone pokes fun at him for the gimmicks and the client and all that stuff. But what he's done up there is he's created a culture that everyone buys into. And even if he doesn't have the most talented roster, he allows himself to be in most games, if not all games and win those because of his philosophy, the players he has put in place. And I think that if we want to look to Nebraska and say, how do we get to where we can be a winning program? We have to embody that idea of give a coach time, allow him to come in and build his philosophy and just run with it. And now your job is to get players into the NFL and make sure they're in the right situations, make mm -hmm. sure their contracts are going to be right, make sure uh, their offseason training is set. The Minnesota Gophers, and I know you're going to be watching this game closely because the Minnesota Gophers have some 
really good talent up front when you talk about this offensive line. And then Mo Ibram, of course, we know is one of the best running backs mm-hmm. in the country. Um, and he's playing at like 80. This is what's crazy about Mo. He's playing at like 85% right now. Mm-hmm. Like that ankle is heavily taped. It's like a boot. But the guy still is going out there and just grinding away. You see him, you know, kind of grimacing at times. But that's just showing the strength. And, you know, it's one of those injuries where you can't get any worse by playing on it. Uh, it's just managing the pain and then being able to rest before the draft in, uh, what, April, March or something like that, or April, May. Late um, April, yeah. So when you look at – yeah, when you look at John Michael Schmidt, in my opinion, best center in college football. Uh, you got Filiaga from Michigan. They got better there by getting a, a guy in. You got Rushmeyer, Axel Rushmeyer. You got Ursary. You got Quinn Carroll, who came from Notre Dame, who uh, he died in a kid, goes to Notre Dame, doesn't really play much, comes to Minnesota, and now is a starting tackle, um, having an okay season, kind of learning you know, the scheme and getting under a really good line coach uh, here in Minnesota. But when you look at John Michael Schmidt specifically, what makes him so good? His consistency. You know, I think last year you saw flashes of it. And, you know, I think he actually kind of got forgotten a little bit last year because of all the other big seniors, Connor Olson, Sam Sluter, Daniel mm-hmm. Flahey, right? Like um, uh, Blaze Andrews, all four seniors that have been there forever. And then it was like, oh, yeah, and this guy in the middle who I remember watching <laughs> Minnesota and being like, dude, this dude might be the best out of all of them as a junior, you know? And then he had that awful injury in the, in the bowl game where Big Flahey, all 380 pounds, came down on the ankle on him and broke it, you know? But his ability to come back and be so consistent and the jump that he's taken in his game this year is the physicality of it. You know, last year you saw flashes of it. This year he's getting dudes on the ground a lot. And, you know, he has very much a lot of flashes of Tyler Lindenbaum, in my opinion. You know, you look at what Tyler Lindenbaum did at Iowa last year and look at what John Michael Schmitz is doing at Minnesota this year. Kind of a very, very similar path of what they're doing, you know. And you look at this offensive front in general and you're like, oh, man, this will be a weakness for them coming in this year, losing all those seniors I just mentioned, right? But, man, you go hit the transfer portal. And I got to say this, I actually got a chance to work with all of those guys this offseason up at mm-hmm. Brute there where Alex Boone, right across from the Vikings facility there, has opened the O-line specific uh, training facility. And all those guys were in and out of the gym. I got to meet all those guys. They're fantastic human beings. They all embodied the work. And getting to see them work and just how much they just came to get better and grow. And then seeing that they, shoot, they got the midseason honor roll for the Joe Moore Award, which is the best offensive line in the country. So they're putting it all yeah. together. They're figuring it out. They're playing at a high level, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, and, and so now we got a transition. You brought up, you know, Boone's facility across from the Vikings. So talking about mm-hmm. the Vikings, when you look at uh, this team, offensive line, I'm not going to say it's a huge difference. I'm going to say a little different. You add Ed Ingram. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, a little bit more comfortable at guard now. Bradbury, I think, learning uh, in this new system. But I feel like, and you tell me, I might be wrong, but I feel like Kirk Cousins having the autonomy to change plays at the line, change protections at the line, has been a huge help to this offensive line versus just killing a play and then running the second play in the headset mm-hmm. but still might not work. Like, Because one play might be a pass, the second play might be a run you know, left, and all of a sudden if they've shifted left, that run is – stupid uh Kirk Cousins has the ability to kind of just change a play to what he sees based off what Kevin O'Connell has said how important has that been for an offensive line and a guy like Bradbury where now if Mike was 52 he can literally just change the protection and the scheme and the play you know with 20 seconds to go on the clock so that they're not in a bad position and they're actually getting into a better play how important is that for an offensive lineman to, to be able to have their quarterback do that 
Oh, it's huge. You know, and I'd be remiss to say that I'd, if Christian Derrissaw isn't playing at the highest level that he's been playing at, I don't think this team has the success that it's had. You know, the left tackle position has been a bit of a hole since Riley Reef left, trying to figure that out. Um, you know, and so he's playing at such a high level. Brian O'Neill. So you have two championship tackles. And you can't win in the NFL unless you have championship tackles. It's very similar. It's very simple, right? You look at some of the best teams. Look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They Miles Garrett went out there and single-handedly almost beat them last night. Like, there's enough of those players in the NFL now that if you don't have guys that can protect on the edge, you don't really have a shot no matter how good your weapons are down the field. You know, so those two guys are playing really well. But going back to what you talked about with the ability to check and move things, you know, Kirk's such a smart guy. No one's ever going to really try and argue that. The ability that he has the freedom now to look at a box and say, okay, the numbers are over here, not over here. Let's just switch it to a friendly play. You know, and I think the other piece that really helped guy, especially Bradbury, you know, last year we did so many passes out of the under center position, you know, mm -hmm. and that's just not Bradbury's strength to be able to get on these big 300 pound noses that are just pushers and stop them within a yard. Right. You know, that's a hard thing for any center to do, let alone right. Bradbury who's a little undersized. So getting Turk back into the shotgun, giving him a little bit of space and allowing Bradbury to use that athleticism, which is to his strength and allow him to stay in front of these guys. And now he has two and a half yards to get him stopped instead of the one. And he's right in Kirk's lap. Right. And same thing with Ed Ingram and with Ezra Cleveland, like giving those guys a little bit more space to work in the middle and giving them a little bit big, bigger margin for error has been huge because when you have tackles that can keep the width of the pocket and then those guys just set the depth at a two and a half yards and Kirk has a lot of room to wheel and deal back there, that's where you're seeing Kirk be able to stand up and deliver the ball where it needs to go. So it's a combination of getting them in the right protection schemes, getting them to where the blitzes is coming, knowing when your hots are, but also just giving them a couple more yards, getting in the shotgun versus being under center all the time. Yeah, I got I to gotta use that on Vikings Game Day Live this weekend. I'm going to have to cite my source, <laughs> Jeremiah Searles, but I will be using that on the pregame show. Love I didn't it. think about that. The shotgun, that's huge. Uh, last one before we jump into the Daily Three. Of course, that's three questions, three minutes each. Uh, we don't have Sam Ekstrom today, so I'm going to be running the Daily Three. Myself and Jeremiah Searles are going to jump into that. Before we do, I always got to do this because I love this guy. Um, I've loved him since Michigan State. And, and Kurt and I talked about this years ago, back in 2009 and 10. My first time working with the Big Ten Network, my first game ever calling was Michigan State. I, I forgot who they were playing. I think it was like Michigan State versus like Colorado or somebody at Michigan State. It was back when Kirk Cousins was splitting time with Keith Nichols. And I'll never forget <laughs> those two names because I had to go over that all week of who's going to be the starting quarterback. Keith Nichols was, was ahead of his time because I think he called a Hail Mary too to help Kirk Cousins out. But if that was today's football, Keith Nichols might be in the league because he was exactly <laughs> what Taysom Hill was. I think he even no wore doubt. number seven. Like, that's what yeah, was crazy. He wore number seven, right. Kirk wore number eight. Uh, but I, I told Kirk that, like, I, I've loved covering him ever since college, which makes me feel old. Uh, but I, I was doing the Big Ten Network, and that was one of the first play-by-play -play games I called was Kirk Cousins uh, getting under center uh for michigan state because keith nichols i think it transferred to from like oklahoma or something so people just assumed he was the better of the two uh but kirk ended up showing us and still is showing us he's one of the greatest when you think about kirk cousins though the the verbiage was always uptight uh not really a fun guy uh you know because everybody was stefan diggs needs josh allen he needs a cool guy and kirk's not josh allen let's let's forget that josh allen is a different he's young he, he is a true like just goofball but kirk is starting to come out of his shell put on diamond I don't think Kirk Cousins would have put on diamond chains under the old coaches uh just because he wouldn't wanted wanted to know how it looked on social media now you can tell he doesn't right. care t-shirt still tucked into the sweatpants but he doesn't care uh how much fun 
is that to see and how much help is that to an offensive line and an offense as a whole to see their quarterback kind of on the plane, laid back, hanging out with everybody, you know, standing up, talking, joking around. Like how important is that for the chemistry of the offense when your quarterback is willing to kind of let, you know, have fun? Well, you know, I think it goes all the way. You can go even further to the fact that, you know, a quarterback usually embodies the personality of their head coach. You know, I think that because they are the leader of the football team, regardless if they want it or not, you know, that's what they have to do. And so if you talk about the Zimmer and the Kirk relationship, I don't think anyone's going to tell you that it was all sunshines and roses all the time. You know, and so I think there was this thing where Zimmer and Kirk kind of had the like, we are the leaders of the ship. Like we are the captains of the ship. So we were going to do this kind of mirrored to make sure that we're doing this the right way, that we're all on the same page for that. And I think Kirk kind of embodied that a little bit more of, you know, the more serious, more like all about the work, just get on to it. And also there's a lot of pressure. We can circle this all the way back to how we started the show with Coach Frost. You know, those last couple of years with the Zimmer era, there's a lot of pressure to win. There's a lot of pressure to perform and a lot of pressure and you're getting paid, the money you're getting paid, there's a lot of pressure versus now, I think KOC comes in, there's a new regime and it's kind of that more, okay, let's relax. Let's everyone take a deep breath and regroup here. But also, as you know, Ron, winning fixes everything. You know, when you're a winning football team, I mean, things are a lot easier to joke around on the plane, on the plane ride home. And things are a lot True. easier to have a little bit more fun in the, during the week. And, you know, it's just winning fixes all. And so when you're winning, things are going well, you can let a little bit more of your personality show. And it allows everyone to let their personality show because when you have a team that's got some young players and they're looking at their veterans, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, like Harrison Smith, that are letting their hair down a little bit and kind of having fun with it, everyone can, you know. But it's also on those guys that when you put on the flip side, if things go wrong, and I'm not going to seriously say the Vikings are going to win every other game because that's just not a plausible thing. But when things do go off the rails and adversity does hit, how those guys respond in those are going to be just as important because those young guys are watching and they're learning and they're understanding how it means to be a pro in the NFL. So it goes back and forth. But when you have a quarterback that's just having fun with it all the time, man, it makes the week so much more fun. All right, let's pause for just one second because I got to tell you about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. How good does that sound? And that's just the beginning. They've also got the white chocolate peppermint granola. It's built to take on a granola bar, more filling, more, uh, and still insanely tasty. Um, And candy cane brownie puffs? What? That sounds seasonally phenomenal. Um, It's like eating a delicious cloud. Um, So if you haven't tried Built Bars before, they're the best tasting protein bar ever, and you can get them 15% off at Built.com. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON15. For 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low calorie numbers, it's 15% off at Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. Well, we're going to have some fun coming up next in the Daily 3. That's three questions, three minutes each. But before we do that, remember, Locked On Sports Minnesota is a proud partner with Care 11. Check out care11.com backslash locked on for links to every one of our Locked On shows and check out Superior Sports Talks. Reggie Wilson bringing you the sports every night on CARE 11. Well, daily three, it's me, no Sam. It's just going to be me and Jeremiah going back and forth. Jeremiah kind of gave you a heads up on some of these questions. So as we jump out the gate, first one out the gate, your favorite offensive lineman to watch could be college, could be NFL, but who's your favorite offensive lineman or maybe one or two that you've enjoyed watching this season? 
Yeah, you know, my favorite to watch is Trent Williams, just because he is just an absolute freak show. I mean, and here's the thing. I tell all of my guys that I work with and stuff, I'm like, who do you guys like? like oh, Trent Williams. I go, don't watch him. Don't try and emulate <laughs> your game off him because you can't do the things he does. It's just so special. So he's super fun to watch. Now, I flip it on the other side of who do I love watching that I would consider a true technician. And honestly, it's Brian O'Neill. I love watching Brian O'Neill and the technician that he has because he's a guy that's a converted tight end, gained a lot of weight, and got back to the O-line, and he's really refined himself, and he's a true technician of the game. Those two tackles, I absolutely love just how they play the game. And then last one, I'm going to go with Zach Martin. Zach Martin from the Dallas Cowboys is just so technically sound and just a brute, and you just watch him play, and he's a commander of everything. Those three guys are my absolute favorite. Yeah, I like those. I like those. Uh, of course, I'm going to go with, uh, I like John Michael Schmidt, and this is why you brought it up too. But if you watch him and Mo, it's poetry. Like the way he's able to manipulate and turn guys in that turn back scheme and Mo is able to stick the foot in the ground and, and I mean, literally get skinny. For those who understand, just Google it. Running backs get skinny all the time. But him and John Michael Schmidt this season have been, it's been poetry. Like there's been nobody I've seen so far come through the center to be able to stop Mo from cutting back like he's had one of the best seasons so far I think he is going to be in my opinion should be one of the top two centers taken in the draft if not number one um so he for me has been awesome to watch and when you talk to Brian Callahan as well uh Gophers line coach I mean you brought up those names Daniel Fialele Curtis Dunlap Jr uh you know the, the list goes on Blaze Andrews he's put together like some of the best offensive linemen, even going way back to, you know, his, his previous locations, he's been an offensive line guru coach. And so mm -hmm. watching John Michael Schmidt, uh, you know, as a receiver, I, I, I wasn't used to it, but then I, I go back to my, cause we had Pierre Garçon yesterday, one of the first receivers I coached with the coach. And he talked about some of the stuff we did watching film, talking to Reggie Wayne, talking to Peyton Manning and, and how him and Jeff Saturday worked. I love that. But a guy I, I've recently started to really love and enjoy um, and I'm glad they don't have to play him until probably the NFC Championship. Jason Kelsey. Like, Jason Kelsey mm. is fun. He has fun. He doesn't mind getting his butt kicked. And he enjoys, like, his brother picking on him about it. Like, he comes out the tunnel in a Batman costume. Like, he pulls the stomach out. Reminds me of Spice Adams. Like, he just seems like a fun guy. Like, he wore a uh, – they wore, like, the stepbrother sweater quarter zips last night on the, on the Manning cast. Like, I love Jason Kelsey's, like – it feels like when he's in the huddle, no matter what the score is, he's having fun. And I think that's key to in football. Like you have to have a clown on your side sometimes because it gets those games. I mean, you know, those games are brutal. Like you got to have a guy in there. Uh, question Absolutely. number two is going to go to Kirk Cousins. We got to talked about him already. But when you look at this season and it and, and could be a different season that we're not even thinking about. But if you look at this season uh, or even before, what's like a memory or something that you know whether it's before and this season if you want to do both the best things you've seen about or the best thing you've seen about Kirk, Kirk Cousins so far you know I think the thing I love about Kirk and you know I'll be the first I've criticized Kirk a lot too because of the inconsistency at times but his ability to not let anything rattle him outside of the football game you know, I think so many times with a, a quarterback like Kirk and the pressure that can get put on a guy like Kirk Cousins, because when you pay a guy 78 million, 80 million, whatever it is, like there's a huge amount of pressure that comes along with that. 
and his ability to just stay the course and understand this is what I've been here and this is what I've gone through. And a lot of that comes with his rooted rootedness in his faith, which is something I look up to in him a lot because he does just rely so much on, on his faith to bring him through all the tough times. But the way that he can command a team without being the rah, rah in your face, running like his mouth, cussing all that stuff like that gets young kids and stuff going so much. And he still commands so much respect. I love his on-field general times when those times hit. And, you know, and the other piece is just his ability this year to find his superstar receiver in 18 and throw him the football. You know, so much of the digs and him that didn't get along so well was because, you know, digs felt like throw me the ball more. And Kirk was like, well, it's not part of the scheme. But I think he truly understands the, what he has in Jefferson and what it means to give him the football and get him the chances. And he's really staying true to that because you can win a lot of football games and you just throw it to your best player over and over again. Ask Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs, you know, uh, look at Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. All of those connections are just, even if it's not there, give him a shot. And I'm seeing Kirk do that with Jefferson this year, which is really fun to watch. Yeah, for me, I got a couple. One, Kirk Cousins threw three picks against the Eagles. Not great, right? But this is the oh, thing. Awesome. Kirk Cousins was such a perfectionist before. He was he would not be willing to give his receivers chances. He gave them chances. And I think what that did, so that game, and, and like PJ says, you know, failure is growth. The Vikings grew after that Eagles game. What did they grow in? They grew in trust. Kirk Cousins is like, look, I'm going to throw it. So you got to keep going. And you got to run the right route. And trust that if I throw it, you're going to be there. And I'm going to trust you're going to be there if I throw it. And when you look at now, you know, the Saints interception, the Bears interception, then after that Cardinals, Dolphins, you know, flawless. The, and then the, 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 the Cardinals throw, you know, down 14 to 17. That's the stuff right there where Kirk Cousins might not have thrown that ball because Justin Jefferson was not open. The DB was over the top and he still threw it. And that's what I love. I love Kirk taking chances. I joked before about Hoodie Kirk or Kirk needs to relax. Kirk putting on the chain for me is Hoodie Kirk. Like, that's the Kirk mm. that's like, relax, chill, you know, just like, hey, look, we're going to do this. And that's what I love. I That's the moment for me. When I saw him throw that ball to Justin Jefferson, completely blanketed, I'm like, he's starting to trust. Like, he's starting to Dante call Pepper Randy Moss's thing. Like, look, hey, if he gets picked off, he gets picked off. But I'm going to trust my guy's going to win this 80-20. This is not a 50-50 ball with Justin Jefferson. This is an 80-20, and I love that. Uh, last one. This is a, a kind of a tricky one, but. Nebraska becomes, it's a two-parter. Nebraska becomes bowl eligible if, and then the Gophers do not get a bowl bid if. What you got? So, so Nebraska becomes bowl, bowl eligible if we can figure out how to start running the football. We have not had the ability to run the football, and we have a quarterback that is now probably injured. And so our pass attack, quick passing game to Trey Palmer and the crew is not going to be what it has been. And, you know, we've been having to try and outscore opponents. We have to start doing more true Big Ten football play, which is control the clock and run the football. You know, so we have to get Anthony Grant more involved, Ramir Johnson, Jock jo Hesian, all these guys. And our offensive line has to really shift their mentality in this November part of the season of run the football, control the clock, and make sure that we can start keeping our defense off the field for 80 or 90 plays a game. If we can do that, we will give ourselves a chance to win these games. Now, we got a buzzsaw coming, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. By no means is it going to be easy. But all those teams have looked human. None of those teams besides Michigan have looked like, oh, my gosh, world beaters. You know, So there's a chance that we can go out and compete in all these games. Put it on the flip side, I think it's very apparent Minnesota may not get a bull bid if they have injuries at Mo Ibrahim or Tanner Morgan. If those mm -hmm. two guys get hurt, 
I really worry about the long ability for this offense to function at the high level that it has been functioning all year in that run game combination with the RPO, Tanner Morgan making decisions, making checks at the line, making sure they're in the right plays, and then Mo executing. If either one of those two guys get hurt for an extended couple weeks here, I would be worried about their ability to go win these games. Yeah, yeah, I you, you hit the nail on the head. Like I, I, when I looked at this schedule for the Gophers and and what was coming up and who they had to play, uh, what was going to be important down the stretch, I think we got a taste of it at Penn State. Like Tanner Morgan not being able to go due to concussion, uh, everybody questioned. Um, you know, is Tanner Morgan the right piece for this team? Should he still be here? Why did he come back for another year? Man, I wish Tanner would have left. I don't think that's the take anymore. Like Tanner Morgan, people like you don't know what you got till it's gone. Like you know that song, and and I think that's what people are going to realize now. Is Ethan Kaliamanis uh, Kaliakman is going to be good? I think so. Like the kid, will look, he he made some good throws underneath to the tight ends. Uh, but Penn State, I mean, you you know that it's a tough place to play, especially for a young guy for his first start. Um, so when I think about that, you're dead on. If the Gophers lose Tanner Morgan. I don't think they – it would be absolutely impossible uh, for them to consistently win against the teams they have coming up, including Nebraska. So, thank goodness he doesn't – you know, I don't think PJ's going to do anything to get him hurt this week. So, I think we're good <laughs> there. But you look at Nebraska, you got Northwestern, you got Iowa and Wisconsin. Dylan Allen looks like he's he's coming, coming along strong. And then for Nebraska, for them to go bowling – it has to all come together. They're going to need every P. They only need to win three games, people. So that's the thing about being bowl eligible. You only got to win three. But they have to come together. And like you said, they got to be able to run the ball. This Big Ten is showing Blake Corum at Michigan. When you can run the ball, you can win these games. Ohio State's just a different beast. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> that that passing it's, attack it's, is They're crazy. not even in the same conversation. Yeah, they're in a different pl- atmosphere than the rest of the conference. But – that's what Nebraska has to do. They have to play lights out football and they have to be able to run the ball in, in clock management. Well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. I want to thank Jeremiah Searles for joining me. Always a pleasure to have him on. Great stuff. I want to thank Matt DeBritz for running the keys back there in the back. Sam Ekstrom joined us in the open. And remember, if you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube where you can find all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game, and Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos and leave your comments in the section below. And also let us know, Gophers, Nebraska, who wins this weekend? Bet online. I'm pretty sure they have some, some numbers for you to win some money. Go check them out. And then also, Kirk Cousins. What's your favorite moment from the season so far with Kirk Cousins? Thank you and have a great day.